You know, it don't take very many people for the Lord to move. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, he said, I am there in the midst of them. So don't allow a lack of people being here hinder you from praising the Lord and, and getting a touch and hearing the word of God. Amen. We came to have church. The Lord said, have these services. We're going to have these services. Amen. Now, what people want to do with it is on them, but we're coming to have church because somebody needs a touch. Somebody needs to be refreshed. Somebody needs God to do something in their life, and we all need it, but there's others that need it worse than others. There's people out there through those cameras who need this. They need to hear the truth. They need to be blessed. They need to be healed. They need to get delivered. Praise God. So don't let, don't allow anything to hinder you tonight from the Lord touching you. Amen. Well, I pray that when this is all over with, that we can be more effective in the kingdom of God. That we ain't just coming through to do some routine thing like I'm just going to church and I'm leaving. No, you're not. You're coming. This is a special time for you to get touched by God, a special time for you to receive something from the Lord. And the whole church ought to be here. Everybody ought to be here because this ain't something that happens all the time. The other stuff we can do, we can make time on it, but this is something that God, the world is in trouble. The devil's on the prowl. He's killing people. He's destroying people. And it's time for the church to stop playing games and get serious about the things of God because we got a, we have a mandate to take this to people that are lost, that they, that we can reach people. And so this is why we all need this time of refreshing. I don't know how anybody can say, well, that's just too much for me. I don't understand that. I don't understand how anybody can say, that's just too much service, too much church. Really? You better let the Lord relight your fire and let him do something down inside, and it won't be too much, praise God. You'll be excited about it. You'll be happy about it. Is it inconvenient somewhat? I'm sure it is for people. You have jobs, have things to do, but this right here comes before everything else. Amen? That's all I'll say. Jesus is number one, and what what he tells us to do comes before everything else. We're going to take up the offering tonight. And I'm going to ask you to give, as I already said, we're going to give, a, go give the offering to Chris tonight for preaching. Whether he wants it or not, he's getting it. So you don't even say nothing about it. Lord laid it on my heart. We're going to take up an offering. Whatever you give tonight is going to him. So dig tonight. Give something. Give something and let the Lord bless you. Well, I, I don't know if I can afford it. No, you can afford not to. You need to give and be a blessing. I don't care whether it's little or much. Be a blessing, and God will bless you. You're watching through the Internet tonight, and you want to be a part of our services, and you want to give online to be a blessing to the church and give to bless Brother Chris tonight, give online. You can go online and let us know. Send it. We'll get it, and we'll make sure that he gets it. Amen. We want God to bless him because he's preaching the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you tonight for your spirit. We ask you to move tonight. We ask you to bless this offering. We ask you to bless the people that have come tonight. Lord, we ask you to open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings upon us that we don't have room enough to receive. I pray you bless Chris tonight. Lord, as he gets ready to preach the word, I pray you bless Michaela that you anoint her and help us, Lord, to open our hearts up tonight, open our spirit up, and to come with a thankful spirit and a thankful heart. We ask you to have your way in this place tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, lover of my soul, Jesus, I will never let you go. Taken me from the miry clay. You set my feet upon the rock, and now I know. Oh, I love you, and I need you. Though my world may fall, I'll never let you go. You're my. Savior, my 
Praise the Lord. It's good to be in church this evening. Like Thomas said, you know, God don't need a whole lot of people to move. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I want to say this before I start. And I say this for myself as well as for everybody in this church, through that camera, wherever you might be. I'm going to tell you, we're not going to get anywhere with God until we learn to surrender. And I'm not talking about surrendering to shouting and jumping up and down and getting chill bumps. And Like he said the other day, if you get up and leave here and you don't have anything, that's nothing. I mean, I, I want to feel the presence of God. I love to feel the presence of God. I'm going to tell you right now I do. There's nothing like the presence of God. But that I'm talking about surrendering to this message. I'm talking about God emptying us of ourselves. See, that's what God wants to do in our lives. And that's really what this revival is about. It's about God wanting to empty us of ourselves and change us and bring souls into his kingdom. That's what this revival is all about. It's not just about, see, listen, and God don't have a certain day that he moves. If you're sitting at home on Wednesday or today even, because you think God's not going to move tonight, you might just get a surprise. Or you might just get a surprise when you come later in the week. And God does move, but maybe... Now listen, I don't mean this in the wrong way, but I'm telling you, but maybe He's kind of moves back away from you a little bit because you've decided to move back away from Him a little bit. You know what I'm saying? You understand what I mean? God don't have a certain day that He moves on. God moves when He's ready. We can't push Him to move. We can't hype you up for God to move. God moves when His Spirit moves, when He's ready to move. He don't have a... It's not because it's Sunday. It's not because it's Wednesday. Listen, I, I've been at home in my bathroom on my knees by the bathtub. Today, as a matter of fact, crying out to the Lord and God touching me by the power of His Spirit. It's not a certain place to be or a certain day that God's going to move. God will move when He's ready to move. And He had Thomas to have this revival for that purpose because He is ready. But see, the problem is we're not ready. The problem is we're not ready. We don't want to surrender and we don't want God to empty us of ourselves. And I'm going to tell you that what that causes is another problem. It causes us to doubt what God is doing and what He's going to do here in this church because we're not surrendering to His will. I'm on my soapbox, but it's the truth. You know, it, it don't matter to me if there's, and it does matter. I'd like to see this church full. I don't mean that this way, but if there's three people here, I'm going to preach. It, don't, it doesn't matter if there's three or if there's a hundred. And I ain't going to say it's not a little bit disheartened, you know, because it is at first, but God says, listen, son, go on and preach. I called you to preach. I don't care if there's one person in there. If there's one person, I'm going to preach. I'm going to the book of Nehemiah, if you want to go there. And I'm going to read some verses in chapter 1, and I've got another place I want to go in Nehemiah and read, but I just want to read uh, probably the first... five or six verses of chapter 1. Still hear pages turning. I'm going to go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I want to thank you for this privilege, Lord God, to 
to preach your word, God. And I want to ask you, Father, that your spirit couples with your word tonight, God, and that you touch us, God, to receive what you have for us. And I ask you, God, to help me, Lord, to help me to speak what you want me to say, God. Let it be what you want us to hear, God. Your word, and only your word, God, without compromise. And I pray that you'll touch people through that camera, Lord God. And I pray, above all, that something will be said, Lord, that will lead somebody to your son. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to start reading at verse 1. It said, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the palace, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I, I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. Now before I get on into this, I want to go back to uh, the book of Ezra, and I want to talk a little bit about Ezra, how that uh, the king of Persia gave Ezra a decree to go to Israel and to uh, reform Israel. Now, Israel, in his early work, his, he done a good work in Israel, rebuilding the temple. But when the children of Israel wanted to rebuild the wall, then great opposition came up against them. And the opposition was liars who would say, tell the Persian king that if he allowed them to rebuild that wall, that they would rebel against Persia, which was a lie. Nevertheless, the king, he stopped the work. He made a decree to stop the work. And for 13 years, the, the wall was torn down, the gates in Israel. Israel was in bad shape. Israel was in a bad way for 13 years. But listen, God always has a man. He always has a man. And in this case, that man was Nehemiah. Nehemiah happened to be a Jew that had a position in the Persian palace, the king's palace. He was a cupbearer. That meant that he had access to the king and he could talk to the king. So the Israelites, when they knew that they had one of their own in a position there, they went and they talked to Nehemiah. That Nehemiah would go to the king Perhaps that he would give them favor. And listen, Nehemiah wasn't just a man in a position. He was a man of God, and he was a man of prayer. For what I just read, Nehemiah, he got on his knees and he asked God to forgive. He knew that Israel's problem was sin, and that's why they were in the shape they were in. He knew that was their problems, and he got on their problem, and he got on his knees and he began to pray and seek God. And I think he prayed about four months about this before he ever went to the king. But then he went to the king. And the king gave him a decree to go to Israel and to do the work. But when Nehemiah got there, Nehemiah didn't get a bunch of the officials together to go with him. When he went out to, to, to look at the wall to see how, the, how it was damaged, he didn't get a bunch of the officials to go with him to go look at that wall. He's seen that it was going to take a whole lot of work to do that, and I believe that that was one of the reasons that he didn't. Because I'm going to tell you something. When you take a bunch of people with you, sometimes what you have is this. I don't see how we're going to do this. I don't see how this can be done. This looks bad. Oh, it did look bad. The wall was 
was practically gone. It was crumbled and the gates were burned. But you take people sometimes with you and that's what's going to happen. You've got to watch who you take with you. You know what I'm talking about. You've got to watch who you take with you because you've got those who don't believe. You know, you have people, I was just saying a while ago, you have these people who claim that they believe what God has promised this, this church. Do you, and I'm going to tell you, actions speaks louder than words. If you really believe what God says, do you really believe what God says He'll do that He'll do it? Nevertheless, Nehemiah began the work on this wall. But let me tell you this, it, wasn't, it didn't come without opposition. And I think about Brother Thomas, I think about Melissa, and, I, and when, I, when I was reading this, God brought them to my mind over and over concerning when they came here to this church, to build this church. And I thank God. I thank God that he sent somebody. He sent somebody like Nehemiah. He sent somebody that had faith. He sent somebody that prayed. He sent somebody that seek God about what he wants done. And I thank God we've got pastors like that in this church. That we've got pastors that, that believe, that have faith. God has promised great things for this church. God has promised great things. And God keeps his promises. But let me ask you this. Do you really believe it? Because that's what it's about. And, and it all starts with this. We are to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. Our faith is to be in what he did at Calvary in his shed blood. And if you believe that, you're on the right track, that's for sure. But do you believe the promises that God has made to this church? Do you believe what he said he'll do? He'll do it. Do you believe that God said, I'm going to build that building out back? I'm going to tell you something. Nehemiah, when he worked on this, was it... Uh, get his name. I know I, I know it just like I know my own, but when I get up here, things seem to go uh, south for me. Yeah, Sambalit and uh, Sam, Sambalit and uh, Tobiah, wasn't it? Let, let, let me go ahead and read this. I want to read this. For when he started building this wall, that's when the opposition came. But let me tell you, let me read this. But it came to pass. This is the, the fourth chapter of Nehemiah. I want to read a few verses, uh, starting with verse 1. It said, But it came to pass that when Sambalit heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in the day? Will they revive the stones out of the heap of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if the fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Listen, before this right here, and, and these men, they done everything they could to get... Uh, Nehemiah to stop building that wall, to get him down off that wall. They went to him. They tried to lure him off that wall so, so they could lure him out somewhere and kill him. And then they tried to get him to go and meet them in the temple, which he knew it wasn't even really lawful for him to be in that in there because he wasn't of, uh, of the priestly or the... But they tried to get him to do that. They tried every way they could. And you know what he told him? He said, I won't come down off this wall. He said, because I'm doing a great work. And I'm not coming down for you heathens. I'm not coming down. And they tried this four times. And the Bible says he told them the same thing every time. We're going to have to learn. He said it. He was talking about it last night when he was talking about who we listen to. Who we listen to what doctrine we listen to. See, what they're trying to get, what the devil is trying to get you to do is to come down off that wall. What he wants you to do is stop 
doing what God wants you to do. He wants you out of God's will. He wants you out of this church. Let me tell you something. You know, listen to this. God sent you, Thomas, and he sent Melissa to this town for a purpose. And I'm going to tell you, I know what some of it is. Some of it is it's religion. This town is full of religion and denominationalism. And God wanted someone here to preach the truth. He wanted someone here to preach the truth and to build that wall. God wanted someone here to, to break through that. And let me tell you something. He's taught, they spoke of these uh, burnt stones. My dad, he used to... My dad used to do a lot of different things. He was a, he was a good mechanic, and he, was, he would do uh, all kinds of different stuff. You know, he, he, was, he was a carpenter. He put in swimming pools. He done heating and air. He done all kinds of stuff. You kind of remind me a lot of him, Thomas. You're a jack of all trades. And my dad done all those things, and God really showed my dad how to do it. I wish that he would have known that. I wish that he would have known that. He could take a motor and tear it apart and come back two months later and put it back together. But he had a little machine. It was like a tumbler or something. And he, he, had, he, he would put stones in that thing. And they just looked like old rocks. And he also had a wheel. And he would take like a, it was like a, uh, it was a block. It almost looked like wax. And he would take that wax and put it on that wheel. It was a soft wheel like a buffing wheel. And he'd put that on there and he'd take those stones and he would polish them, you know. And they were just old rocks. He would take, and, but I mean, he would do Buckeye's different kind of stones that way. But cat's eyes, they called them, different things. And, and, you know, you make belt buckles out of them, you do all kinds of things with them. And he'd polish knives up, knife handles up. But he used them to polish stones with. And see, there's some burnt stones out there that God is going to polish up. See, we see them stones, and all we see is a rock. All we see is an old rough rock. But God sees them like He saw, see, saw us. He sees them like He saw us. See, He saw me. I was an old rough stone. I wasn't fit to pick up and throw. But God picked me up, and now He's polishing on me. He's not through with me yet, but He's polishing on me. We're going to have to start seeing people the way God sees them and stop looking at them through our eyes. Because that really is what this is all about right here. This is about souls. It's about getting souls saved. It's about bringing people to Jesus Christ. That's really what it's all about. And let me ask you something. If you look at a person, and God has showed me this, and I'm going to tell you, God's had to take me to the woodshed here lately. I'm just being honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. There's been a couple of people that I've run across that I've got impatient with. But God said, how many times... How many times have I picked you up when you fell? He, he, he said this to me. God spoke this to me. He said, how many times have I helped you when you were down? How many times have you been in that pit and I picked you up and raised you up out of that pit? God has no respecter of persons. But when I looked at these, this person and these couple of people that I'm talking about and I, I run out of patience with them, God said, you can't do that. I still love them. I still love them. Don't mean you go along with what they're doing, no. But God still loves them. And one of them here the other day, God had me to call them. Because I felt, I knew that I, I, was, I was wrong in the way that I was feeling toward that person. And they're going in the wrong direction and they're out of God's will. And they could lose their soul. So it matters about that person. Just like it mattered about me. Just like it mattered about you. It matters about those people. It matters about those burnt stones out there. Because I'm going to tell you something. And you better get ready for this because that's what God's going to use to build this church. Just like he used to build that wall. And for you foxes out there that think you can climb up on this wall and tear it down, you can't do that. Because God's not going to allow it. God's not going to allow you to stop what he's doing. If you read on over in this book, you'll find out that this wall got built. 
And when it was built, you'll find something else out. That man didn't get the glory for it. God did. And I'm going to tell you, let me read this right here to you. Let me read this to you. You people through that camera who are opposing what God is doing here in this church, you need to hear this. In Nehemiah 6, 15 and 16, it says this. So the wall was finished in the 25th day of the month of Elul, which is September, in 52 days. Now listen. And it came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof, and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought of the Lord. See, people's going to see when God's doing something. And they can't stop what God's doing. And when God is done, you're going to know it was God because no man's going to be able to do what God is going to do. Let me tell you something. God, no man's going to be able to, to build that sanctuary back there. Now, I'm not saying a man won't build it, but I'm saying it's going to take God to have it done. And why is he going to do it? Because of those burnt stones. That's the only reason God wants that building built back there is because of these burnt stones, because of souls that are lost without God. Even those, listen, who are steeped in religion, God's going to pull some of them out of it. There's some of those people that are hungry. They're tired of that dead, dry religion, and they're hungry. And you know, that's something else. Let's talk about that. Let's go back to what I said before about God when He moves like He does, when He touches people and, and they're shouting, they're jumping up and down, they're running, they're speaking in tongues. Let me tell you, God does that for a purpose. He does that for a purpose because He wants people out there to see what He's doing in here. That's what He wants. That's why that camera's back there. God wants people to see that this place is different, that we're, they're the peculiar people here in this church. I'm not saying we're the only ones. No, we're not. But I'm going to tell you something. God's got preachers out there in pockets that's preaching the message of the cross, that's preaching the truth, and God's going to bless those churches. God's going to bless this church. God's going to move in a mighty way in this place. God's going to build this church, and He's going to do it with those burnt stones. So I'm going to tell you something. You better get ready to start accepting some people that that's not fitting your criteria. You know what I'm saying? You better get ready to start start accepting some drunkards. You better get ready to start accepting some people that's been lost in pornography, that's been lost in homosexuality, that God's going to change, that Jesus Christ is going to lift up out of that stuff and deliver them from those things. You better be ready to start start accepting some people that's got tattoos all over their bodies because God's going to deliver those people from that stuff. He, he's not going to take the tattoos off of them. No. He's going to let them realize that what they've done was wrong. But the tattoos are still going to be there, but Jesus Christ is still going to be in their hearts. You better get ready to start accepting some people that uh, don't fit your criteria because that's what's going to happen in this church. I'm telling you, and it's close. It's very close. I said that the other day to you, Thomas, because God brought that back to me, what I said about... Uh, and it, it seem, might seem silly to you, I don't really care what it seems like to you about Thomas being a farmer, about him planting and about him watering. And God's fixing to bring the increase. That's what's going to happen. God is going to bring people through those doors. But I'm going to tell you something. Brother Thomas is not supposed to do it all by himself. Did you know that when Nehemiah built this wall, I want to read some, let me read this right here to you that I got out of a uh, commentary that I got. Nehemiah 3, 1 through 16. This is not the verses, but it's what it speaks of. It says the works were properly planned because they were properly planned. The work was properly planned because it was planned by God. And groups of people were allotted work areas side by side around the city so that the entire wall was built. Now listen. The list of workers shows that Jews, or people in our case, from far and near came to help. Not only builders, but priests, goldsmiths, government officials, and merchants helped in the work. God's going to send people to help. 
God's going to send the people to help. Nehemiah had plenty of help. And brother, you're going to have plenty of help because God's sending people. He's going to send somebody that knows how to run that sound. He's going to send people to help. And let me tell you something. I can feel it in my spirit. I know that there's some that's not going to like it. I know that there's some that's been here for a while that's going to be just a little bit jealous. But God don't care about that. He's going to send people to help to do what He wants done in this church. Because he knows you can't do it by yourself. He knows the pastor can't do it by himself. But you're here too. And you're supposed to help. We're supposed to be a help to our pastors. If he asked us to do, asked you to do something, it don't matter what it is. If he asked you to do something concerning this church, you ought to be willing to do it. See, that's where the rubber meets the road. It, we're, we're finding out whether we're being changed or not. Are, are we a help to God's work? Are we here when God wants us here? You know, there's been a time or two I know that I've had to work and I've missed being here. But I tell you, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And I think that we need to put Jesus Christ first in everything that we do. We need to make sure that He's number one in our lives. He's number one and then family. Jesus Christ is always number one. He's supposed to be the center of our lives. And we talk a big talk, but what what do we do? You know, people don't want to hear this kind of talking. They don't want to hear you preaching like this. You know why? Because we lack in surrender. I'm talking to me too. I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to all of us. We have to surrender to God, what God wants us to do to His will And I'm not talking about just uh, feeling good and praising God and feeling His presence and all that. I'm talking about surrendering to what He wants us to do in our life. That's what I want to do. I want to surrender to the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something, Thomas. I've been meaning to say this to you, and I'm going to tell you right now. I'm not by any means, but I felt it tonight. I should have tonight, but no guitarist. But I, I'm going to bring my guitar when you don't have anybody else here to play and start, and you just let me know when you need me. And I'm not, like I said, God knows I don't play the guitar very well, but I'm going to do it for the Lord. I don't care what nobody else thinks about what it sounds like. That don't really matter. Praise God. I have to put Him first. I have to put Him first. It don't matter about all this other stuff. What i got to do is let Him. What is it that John said? He said, I must decrease and he must increase. And that's what we have to have in our lives. And that's what I want. I want Jesus to increase in my life. I want more of him. I'm going to tell you, I want him to reveal himself to me in a greater way. I want him to put in me, listen to me, I want him, and you better be praying for this, I want him to put in me a greater love for souls, for those burnt stones. I want him to put a greater love in me because I know what he's done for me. And I want to see people saved. And we're not seeing enough of that because the church is all messed up. The church is religious. The church is denominational. That's all the church is full of now. But God's got some people out there that mean business. God's got some people that's preaching the blood of Jesus Christ for the way. God's got some people out there that's preaching that, and that's what we need. We don't need anything else, see. We don't need all these programs like he was talking about last night. We don't need these programs in the church. Listen, we don't need psychiatrists. We don't need Dr. Phil. We don't need Oprah. I told him when I preached at the nursing home last time, for some reason God brought Oprah up in my mind. Let me tell you something. Scientology, that's not the way. There's no other way. Let me tell you, there is no other way to the God. I'm talking about the God, not a God. I'm talking about God the Father. There is no other way to Him except through Jesus Christ and Him alone. And the only way to Jesus Christ is through the blood that He shed on that cross. It's the only way. That's God's way. Jesus Christ paid the price. And Him alone. He paid the price. Listen, and that price was death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Jesus had no sin, but yet He died for our sins. 
He paid that price. But let me tell you something. On that third day, that song says, and it always touches me the way they say that in that song, He breathed again. Glory to God. He come up out of that grave and He's alive and He's sitting at the right hand of God and He is the Savior and He is our mediator. He's everything that we need and we don't need nothing else. All we need is Jesus. I'm telling you, He is all I need. I just need Jesus. I love people. I love to to be around people, to talk to people, to have friends. To, um, what I mean is the fellowship with people. But let me tell you something. When people are gone and your friends are not there, He is. He's always there. When you're alone by yourself, Jesus is there. I told those people to nursing home because I know they must feel lonely sometimes, those older people. And it, and it grabs a hold of my heart when I think about them at night. But I told them, I said, at night when you lay down and you go to bed and your nurse is gone, Jesus is still there with you. He's there when you lay down. All you have to do is call out to Him and He's right there with you. You can feel His presence. You can feel His peace. You can have joy unspeakable and full of glory right Right there in that nursing home. And we can have it right here where we're at no matter what we're going through in this life. We can have it. And I believe that God, I believe what God has promised to this church. I believe great things. I, I don't believe that it's, that it's far off. I believe it's at the door. I'm telling you, it's at the door. I told those people at the nursing home the other day, when I was telling them who Jesus was, I said, I didn't come here to give you a false hope. No. What I'm giving them, when I tell you that Jesus Christ is the healer, that's not giving you a false hope. That's giving you hope. That's giving you the truth. Jesus Christ is real, and what He does is real. Let me tell you something. He's the same God as He was when blind Bartimaeus was on that roadside. And begging. And when he heard that Jesus was coming through, who called out to him, and they told him to shut up. But he cried out that much more. And you know what happened? The Bible said that Jesus stood still. Let me tell you something. When somebody's in need, when somebody is crying out to him, he'll stop. He stands still for a person in need. He stands still for those who are lost without Him. He came to this world and He died for people that are lost. He took stripes for our healing. Now let me tell you something. I always thought about this this way. When they crushed that thing down on His head and they put that thing down on His head, I believe that He took that to touch our minds. You know what I'm saying to you? Do you understand? God can touch your mind. Listen, like I told them, I'm telling you, God created your body. He created your spirit and He created your mind. Everything that you are, God created and He knows you and He can fix it and He don't need a doctor. I told them this, but I'm going to tell you, He uses doctors. I'm not saying He don't. I told them that, but I'm going to tell you, God don't need a doctor to fix you and He sure don't need no psychiatrist to fix your mind. I know about that stuff because I've been down that road. They're in worse shape than you are. They need Jesus too. You go talking to them about some of the things that you go through and they'll have you in a straitjacket. That's how they help you. Because they don't understand spiritual things. This world don't understand what, what we go through. That's why you can't go to the world for help. You can't go to them. You can't trust this world. You only trust Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, I want to follow those who have faith. I want to follow those who are lifting up Jesus Christ, who are preaching the gospel, who are preaching the truth. I want to follow those who have their eyes on the promises that God has made them. Because I know these promises are real. You know, I don't understand how anybody, when God makes... And I'm going to tell you, sometimes you can tell, you're better off not to tell some, some people certain things because they don't, they don't believe it. They don't understand it. And they're just going to be a, a problem for you. They think you're crazy. They think you're crazy because you say that, that God told you that he's going to save thousands of souls. But I'm telling you something. He's already begun to do that. And he's going to continue to do it. And he's going to do it in a greater way. And let me tell you, he's going to do it in Africa. He's going to do it overseas in those other countries. And he's going to do it right here in Athens, Tennessee. 
Because I'm going to tell you something. This is bigger than you, you realize. This is bigger than you realize. And that's why, and God is doing it that way. Because like I said, people's going to know that it's God. They're going to know that it's God who's doing this thing. When this thing is said and done, there's no way that man's going to be able to take the credit for it. There is no way, no man, I don't care who he is, can take the credit for, for what God is doing here. But I'll tell you this, and I, I mean this in the right way, I'm not lifting man, but God is using a man. He's using a man, and it's that man right there, and it's his wife, it's this family. God is using this family to build this thing. God has people that he uses. But there's no way that they can do this without Jesus Christ, and they know it. Jesus said, you can do nothing without me. But I'm going to tell you something. We need to stay on that wall, and we need to stand beside our pastors and help them in any way that we can. Ask God, pray, and ask to seek the Lord. I'm going to tell you, it don't matter what you're doing. Roger, you think it's a little thing because you clean this church? Well, it's not. It's not a little thing in God's eyes. It's just as big as anything anybody else is doing because it has to be done. It has to be done, and you're doing it, and you're doing it for the Lord. And let me tell you something. You should be, you should be uh, praising God and thankful that God's letting you do that. That's a privilege to do that for God. I'm going to tell you, I don't care what it's doing. Donnie Swaggart was talking one time. I heard him talking about it, and he said when he started in the church, his dad had him cleaning toilets and doing all kinds of stuff like that. There's no shame in that. It don't matter what you do. It's, the Bible says this as long as you do it as if you're doing it unto the Lord. That's all that matters if you're doing it for Him. Whatever we do, we need to do it for God. We don't need to do it for man because I'll tell you what we'll get from man exactly. What we'll get is just a pat on the back and that's all we'll get. But if we do it for God, our reward will be great in heaven. And there will be rewards for what you do. You're not going to heaven because of it, but I'll tell you, when you get there, God's going to reward you. I believe you'll see every soul that you help to bring to Jesus Christ. I believe that. And I believe that God will reward you for it. But I know that we're supposed to help our pastors and we're supposed to be in agreement with them and, and whatever it is that God wants done in the church because they're the ones being led. They're the ones that God is speaking to they don't need us to, to get involved with certain things, no. But when they come to us, is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about going and pushing yourself on somebody, trying to get involved with things we've got no business getting involved with. But when they come to you and they ask you for help, no matter what it is, if it, it, it's our duty, in a sense, to help our pastors, to help in this church. That's what we're here for. And that's what God wants. But the main, I'm going to tell you the main thing. If you, if you pray and seek God, about souls. If you give, whatever it is that you do, let me tell you something. Stay on that wall and keep on doing it. And don't let nobody talk you into getting down off of that wall. Keep on doing the work of God. And I guarantee you, you're going to see some of those burnt stones start coming real soon. They're coming. This church is going to grow in a miraculous way. I believe God, I said it before, and I still believe that God is going to speed this thing up. I believe that. I know he is. I want you all to stand to your feet. I'm done. I don't have a whole lot tonight. I, you know, when we first started, like I said, I was a little bit uh, disheartened about people not being here, but I, I'm going to tell you something. You're here. You're here. You're here because you want something. Even if it's Thursday, it doesn't matter to you. You're here because you want something. And God's got what you need. And I'll tell you what I want us to do. I want all of us just to come up here to this altar. I'm not going to give you a choice. Just come up here to this altar. And I, I want us to pray. And I want us to ask God to help us. You know, you remember the man that, that was it his son or that needed healing and, he, and Jesus said, I can do it if you believe. And he said, Lord... He said, help my unbelief. You know, I believe that God has a respect for that, that if we come to him and we ask him to help us, to give us faith, that he will. He'll give us faith. He'll, he'll give us a stronger faith to believe what he's going to do, you know, what he's promised that he's going to do. Will you lead us out?
prayer, Brother Thomas. Amen. If you can pull something up back there, something, a slow song to play. may take a few minutes to worship the Lord. We don't have to get in a hurry. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you tonight for your word. We ask you, God, that you would, as the word has been spoken tonight, that you would speed things up. And, Lord, that you would use all of us, God, that you would bless us, that you would touch us, Lord, that you would provide everything that we have need of, God. While we're doing what you've called us to do, Lord, we ask you to provide everything that we need. Lord, I pray for people tonight, God, that are out there, Lord, through the camera, God, that that need a touch, that need to be saved, that, that are confused, that are, their minds are messed up that you would reveal yourself to them, Lord. We pray, God, that for those that couldn't be here tonight, that you would speak to them, that you would touch them, Lord, that you would deal with them, Lord, for those that could be here but they're not here, Lord. Touch them and show them how important, God, it is, Lord, for them to be where you are moving, Lord, and to hear your word and to experience your presence with your people. God, we thank you for everything you're doing. We thank you for what you're going to do. And we just ask you to move upon every one of us in this place tonight as we surrender ourselves to you, that you would encourage us, Lord, that you would strengthen us, that you would revive us, God, and that you would move in us like we've never seen. Lord, we know the world is in turmoil. There's problems all over this world. But help us not to focus on the problems, but to focus upon you and you alone. Lord, we thank you for the word tonight. We ask you to continue to let your spirit move in this place, God, to draw people the rest of the week, to help us to invite people, draw people, cause them to stop as they drive down the road, as they see the sign, that they would come, that they would inquire, that they would want to be a part of what you're doing, God, and that you would touch them those that have visited us, Lord, that but they're no longer coming, God. Touch them, deal with them, draw them, Lord, and let them know how important it is that they be in the midst of the true church, Lord, where the Spirit of God is moving. We just ask you to continue to have your way the rest of this week and bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Blessed by the live service from Family Worship Center in Athens, Tennessee. Our weekly services are Sunday at 10.30 a.m., Sunday at 5.30 p.m., and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Watch us live online at www.fwc-tn.com. You can also check us out on Facebook or YouTube. Family Worship Center is located at 250 County Road 378 in Athens, Tennessee. Send all correspondence to Family Worship Center, P.O. Box 118, Athens, Tennessee 37303. For more information, you can call the church at 423-744-0774.